Welcome, my friends, to the Moon Jockeys Podcast. <laughs> An in-depth discussion of Star Wars themes, characters, and storylines. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to another episode of Moon Jockeys Podcast. My name is Brian, your host. I'm excited to welcome our guest you may know from Unmistakably Star Wars. How are you doing tonight, Barb? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really wanted to get your perspective um, in the Ahsoka arc, particularly as a mom and as a female. I think you have a lot of insight that you can share with us, so I'm... Um, hoping that you'll enjoy it as much as I will. Oh, I'm sure I will. And I absolutely love Ahsoka. So any chance to talk about her would be great. That'd be awesome. Um, We're going to continue with the Ahsoka arc from the Clone Wars, and we're doing this in chronological order with a few exceptions. Um, Each episode will have a focus on basically her relationship with her mentors, uh, Anakin or Plo Koon. Her friendships and her leadership that she takes uh, in a few of the episodes with some of the younger Padawans and younglings. Um, That will be interesting. Before we get into our second batch of episodes, I kind of wanted to cheat a little bit and cover two episodes that we're not going to specifically talk about that much. (laughs) And that's the, uh, the Duel of Droids episodes with R2 and um, Goldie, which is the Pittsburgh... Steelers droid that Dave Filoni created because he's a giant <laughs> Pittsburgh fan. Um, uh, so R2 has to square off against Goldie um, in that episode. And in that episode, we actually see Ahsoka uh, take on Grievous by herself uh, in a lightsaber duel. So I asked a poll question of, does she have what it takes to defeat Grievous at the time? And the options that I gave were, He's just another tinny, which is something that she actually says. Uh, She has the courage but lacks some of the saber skills. And she was foolish to take him on alone, which is what uh, Anakin says in the episode. And the results of the poll is we actually had very low turnout for this one. It was a tie across the board with one vote each. Do you have an opinion on whether or not she had what it takes to take on Grievous at such an early stage in her development? Yeah, I was looking at this poll and it it was a really hard one to choose um, because I don't see Ahsoka as foolish. I do see her as as young and needing to develop more. And but at the same time, I think she's got some incredible lightsaber skills. But I would lean towards that middle one of uh, she had the courage but lacked the saber skills more because I think that she definitely had the courage, but Grievous was just too much for her at this point in her training to take on alone. I totally agree. That's the one I voted for. I think that she's got the boldness and the courage and confidence to take on Grievous. I mean, just the fact that she calls him another tinny uh, Mm -hmm. means that she's not scared by him. She's not intimidated to fight him. But when it comes to the actual dueling, I think him with forearms was or two arms was a little too too much for her. If he had four arms, I think it would really overwhelm her. Mm -hmm. Like if he split his arms and did the four (laughs) arm twirly whirly thing. Um, Yeah, for sure. So I think that she just needs a little bit more development and we see a lot more of her skills later on in, in the storyline. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I like how bold she is and how (laughs) confident she is. That's one of the things that I love the most about her. She she doesn't hesitate. And I don't even think it's in a I don't think she's impulsive. She just she definitely has that courage and skill to to do what she's doing, but definitely needs to remember that there's more to learn at this young age. Mm-hmm. Very much. And she's always willing to 
humble herself to learn new lessons. So like, that's, that's very encouraging. Um, and like admirable. Yeah. She asks questions, which is good. Yeah, totally. The two episodes we're going to talk about the most tonight are Jedi crash and then defenders of peace. Um, the first episode in Jedi crash is, uh, basically, Anakin and Ahsoka are trying to come to Ayla Sakura's aid when she's under attack by the Separatists and her Star Destroyer is basically going down. Um, So they launch a rescue mission to protect her um, Mm -hmm. and it's pretty exciting. I noticed early on that uh, Rex is calling... Ahsoka kid in this one now, uh, as opposed to youngling. We talked a lot last week that in the Clone Wars movie, Rex and Anakin repeatedly called her youngling, which she put her on the defense and sparked her snippiness, like mm-hmm. a snippy me- mechanism uh, to talk back as a sarcastic thing, like calling Anakin Sky Guy um, <laughs> to cut the tension because it, she didn't really like being called a youngling and she repeatedly asked them to not call her that. But so now Rex is calling her kid. In your opinion, do you think kid is a, an improvement from youngling or is it pretty much the same thing? Oh, it's not the same thing. I think that uh, Rex calling her kid, you, and you notice in these episodes that Ahsoka's not taking offense to that the way she took offense to youngling and young one. And I think, you know, especially in her eyes, youngling and young one has more of a condescending term to her. Mm-hmm. Whereas being called kid, it has this endearing term. And you see in this episode, in the first episode, Jedi Crash, that Rex knows how capable Ahsoka is when he's calling her kid. And you see this with her taking charge as they're trying to rescue, uh, how do you say her name, Alaya? Ayla Sakura, I think. Ayla, Ayla Sakura. When they're trying to rescue her on the ship, she's the one taking charge in front of uh, the um, in front of Rex and the other uh, clones and attacking the battle droids. So he has confidence in her. He knows that she's capable. And Kid just gives more of this endearing term, maybe a trust, but still that, you know, I know that you're young, but I'm not going to call you young one and be condescending about it. I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to call you Kid because that, you know, I like you, Mm -hmm. but you're still, you're still a kid, you know, (laughs) but I, I love it. I absolutely love the way he calls her that in these episodes. Yeah. Um, it might be a little bit like an older brother picking on his younger sister a little bit, um, but not in yeah. a demeaning way. Exactly. And, you know, I had an older brother and I'd love to be called that. And with my own kids, I call them kid all the time. I'm like, come on, kid, let's do this, you know. And yeah. to to me, in my eyes, that's, you know, I'm saying it with so much uh, love and endearment for them mm-hmm. that that's how I see it in these episodes when Rex uses it. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I'm glad to, to see something progressing, and I'm excited to see where that goes. I Because I, I guess I, I'm not sure where it ends up, like what Rex calls Ahsoka in the later episodes. Yeah. Um. So I'll be sure to kind of keep an ear open to what that will be. Well, I find it I find it really interesting too because I'm really a lot more familiar with Rebels. I loved Rebels, mm-hmm. and so as I was watching these episodes, I keep thinking about Rex in Rebels and how Ahsoka was the one who led um, the Spectre, set the, all the group to. Mm-hmm to find Rex and his buddies and you know, the way that Ahsoka spoke of them and then the way that Rex speaks of Ahsoka, you just, you really get an idea for this very trusting established relationship between them. Mm -hmm. And so when I was watching these episodes, I just kept thinking back to that. It'll be so interesting to see the siege of Mandalore, like 
next uh, fall or whatever, next summer. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think they went through a lot when Order 66 happened. And I think that that will kind of explain some of the cl- more of the closeness that they have in Rebels because they are super close and um, yeah. he has a ton of respect with her, for her. Uh, they do do a callback of what Rex says to her f- in the movie. You know, I could have ordered you to take me along. You don't exactly outrank me anymore. In my book, experience outranks everything. Hmm. Then I definitely outrank you. May the force be with you. Yeah. But I just think that 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 means a lot to that they've lived a lot of life um, in the recent years in Rebels. Absolutely. Speaking of Rebels, in the uh, escape from the Star Destroyer, I did you get the impression that Anakin had a Kanan Jarrus moment a little bit? Yeah, it was actually interesting when I watched it. I'm like, this looks really familiar, but I didn't, I didn't quite get the connection at first. I was like, I've seen this before, but... Then when I, I, I thought about it and watched it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is right back to the end of Rebels when Kanan saves the ghost crew yeah. and, you know, force pushes them back away from the explosion and then turns around immediately to hold the explosion back so that they can get away. That was exactly what Anakin just did in this moment so that they could get away from the exploding Star Destroyer. Yeah, like that... Th- that was pretty brave, and it's it's kind of funny that they did that in the Clone Wars, and I didn't really ever think of it when it happened in Rebels until I saw this. Um, I thought it was yeah. really cool. Anakin kind of um, gets a little beat up from the explosion that he protects everyone else from. He sacrifices himself for to save other people, and so he's basically put on life support as they take off. Um, mm-hmm. And then they have problems with the Nava computer flying into a sun that they have to reboot it. But to do that, they have to basically turn off his life support. And Ahsoka is not excited about this. She's very weary of um, putting his life in risk, uh, for even for a moment of, of rebooting the computer. Did you think that that was interesting at all? or It it really shows the and we're going to get into this but this this attachment and connection that she has to her master yeah and um you know as as a young uh padawan learner and trying to figure out the ways of the jedi but still having you know feelings and attachments and a connection with her master it's you know it's hard for her to figure out all these feelings and and what the duty of the jedi is uh but it's just this shows that she's developing this connection with her master and she doesn't want anything to happen to him she wants to protect him and care for him yeah i know like um with my daughter zoe oftentimes the papa bear instinct of protection like it just kind of it overtakes what you do and you just happen out of, you act out of instinct. So you kind of want to control all of the external circumstances as much as possible to protect them. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if you are always protecting them, you're not really letting them uh, spread their wings and learn things on their own. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. With my three, <laughs> you know, I, I I, bal- I have to balance this all the time because I, I want them to go out and experience new things, but I still want to have some somewhat of control over how far they go out and experience things on their own because I want to protect them. I don't I I want them to learn and grow, but not get hurt to a point that you know is is not okay. Yeah, oh, yeah and absolutely. and so it's just really hard to balance that sometimes and. And I think for anybody that we care about, you know, and that's what Ahsoka is showing. Yeah, it was great that Ayla asks Ahsoka to leave Anakin behind and to trust that Rex can look over his care for a while. So um, 
letting go of control of that situation so that um, they can go find help on this p- new planet that they are not really sure of. Um, mm-hmm. I think that really kind of asked her to step out in faith um, to leave him in Rex's care. And that kind of stretches her a little bit. Oh, she didn't want to leave him in the condition that he was in. But I think, you know, she's also got this relationship with Rex to know that she can do this. And, you know, I I, I don't know if it was at this point, one of the lines by Ayla Sakura is to... As a Jedi, it is your duty to do what is best for the group. Greater for the group than just for one. And they needed to go out and do this to benefit everybody and don't worry about just this one individual as much. But, you know, I have opinions on that as well. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. That's, I think this is the part where she says that. And it, it, it's very interesting that she's reminding Ahsoka what the duty of the Jedi is, is to do what's best for the group to, to live a selfless life um, mm-hmm. and to kind of recenter herself when they go looking for help, they have a great conversation along the way. I can still sense your worry for Anakin, your attachment to him. It's just... I get so confused sometimes. It's forbidden for Jedi to form attachments, yet we are supposed to be compassionate. It is nothing to be ashamed of, Ahsoka. I went through the same process when I was your age with my own master. Really? You? He was like a father to me. I realized that for the greater good, I had to let him go. Don't lose a thousand lives just to save one. Maybe. But that doesn't mean that I can't try to save his life. What do you think the Mm. difference between attachment and um, compassion is from your perspective? Well, that was a really interesting question because... um, The way that Ahsoka is talking about it in this conversation, she's kind of making them seem very alike that, Mm -hmm. you know, attachment, how can she have compassion without attachment? And I started trying to figure this out on my own and looking up attachment exactly what it means. And, you know, it's it's the condition of being attached to something or someone in particular uh, with affection and fondness. Um and having an affectionate relationship with someone. So she's got this fondness, this closeness and the sympathy for her master. Right. And then you've, and then you've got compassion, which is a sympathetic concern for the sufferings of others. And so again, in this situation, Anakin, I I mean, he's not necessarily, he's hurt. He's not suffering, but she's concerned for him. And, because she's young, she's trying to figure out what is this difference? Because I'm, you know, attachment is forbidden for a Jedi. But, but what about compassion? And, and so she's, she's feeling connected and uh, sympathetic and, you know, has this fondness for him, for Anakin. And she's like, well, how do I have compassion without these attachment feelings? And, I am right there with her, you know, because, yeah, because this is, there, there are things about the Jedi way that you, that you learn a lot about more in the prequels. Yeah. Um, that Anakin struggles with that. I totally get this struggle because how, how can you live a life of love and compassion for people without having some sort of attachment, especially when you've got these relationships in order to become a Jedi Knight and a Jedi Master. You have to be in this, um, you've got the Master and the Apprentice, and that relationship is a close relationship Absolutely. where the, not only is the Master teaching um, the Apprentice, but the Apprentice can also help the master to learn as well. You know, it's one of the reasons why Anakin is given Ahsoka as an apprentice to help him grow and develop as well as a Jedi Knight to become a Jedi master. And yet 
so the Jedi are saying, don't form attachments, but we're going to put you in this very close relationship with somebody, someone where you need to teach them and they'll teach you and you need to look out for each other and care for each other. It's kind of, in my head, it's an oxymoron. Like, how can you do this without being attached to them? So Ahsoka's feelings here and what she's saying to Ayla Sakura, it makes sense that oh. she's struggling with this because I struggle with it at my age. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in theory, the difference between compassion and attachment, I think if you're attached to someone, you're going to compromise everything to protect them. Mm -hmm. Whereas in compassion, you can make more rational decisions um, for the greater good of the group. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. And I mean, it makes sense. So like if you're attached to someone, like if someone did something to my daughter, there's no way I could think clearly. Um, if mm -hmm. someone did something to my wife, there's no way I could think clearly because I'm attached to those people. My world um, is very, very much centered around my family and um, I will protect them as best I can ever. Um, and I think that that's kind of what they're saying is just, it goes back to what Yoda says. Premonitions. Hmm. These visions you have. They're of pain, suffering, death. Yourself you speak of, or someone you know? Someone. Close to you? Yes. Careful you must be when sensing the future, Anakin. The fear of loss is a path to the dark side. I won't let these visions come true, Master Yoda. Death is a natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the Force. Mourn them do not. Miss them do not. Attachment leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed, that is. What must I do, Master Yoda? Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. And this conversation between Ayla Sakura and Ahsoka really reminds me of a lot of the conversation between Anakin and Padme on the transport as they go to Naboo, mm -hmm. where... Padme asks, Must be difficult having sworn your love to the Jedi. Not being able to visit the places you like or do the things you like. Or be with the people that I love. Are you allowed to love? Thought that was forbidden for a Jedi. Attachment is forbidden. Possession is forbidden. Compassion, which I would define as unconditional love essential to a Jedi's life. And so you might say that we are encouraged to love. You've changed so much. You've been changed a bit. You're exactly the way I remember you in my dreams. they kind of get into that debate of whether or not a Jedi can actually love someone because of this whole attachment thing. Um, and it, it, it's a fine line to, if you start with compassion and you spend day in and day out with a person, it is so, so easy to, to venture into that attachment phase where I don't want to lose this person. So I'm going to make, compromises in decision making to prevent that from happening absolutely and i think that's exactly the position that ahsoka was put in um there to leave her master with rex and and go and help the group but yeah. she's struggling with that and i mean we see anakin struggle with that that's you know, he does develop an attachment for Padme. And that's what leads him down the path to becoming Vader. Yeah. Because he is more scared of losing her 
than he is of anything else. Like that is his driving force. And that is exactly what the Jedi are warning against. You can't have this attachment to one thing that is going to sacrifice everything you believe and all these other people that you're sworn as a Jedi to protect and to help. And so that's where your compassion can can go away for other people because you're so focused on this one attachment. And I guess when I'm saying that I have a hard time with it, it's just, you know, I'm a very relational person mm-hmm. and, you know, my own relationships in my life, I value very much. And so I, I couldn't be, it's hard to be put into a position where I'm told not to form any attachment to anybody because I would suffer, you know, like, um, but it, I, I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense for the Jedi. I'm just, I can understand Anakin's struggle as well. I wouldn't have gone as far as he did, (laughs) but you know, (laughs) yes. uh, It's, it's, it's a great thing because we are emotional people and we, we, when we experience the kind of love and acceptance one has, especially in a master and apprentice, like Ahsoka and Anakin are going to know the good and the bad of each other because they spend so much time together. So mm-hmm. Ahsoka is going to know all the faults of Anakin and Anakin's going to know all the faults of Ahsoka. It's kind of like, almost like a marriage. Um, mm-hmm. And when you have that level of intimacy, it's very, very easy to develop those attached feelings. And yes, it's just very good. And Ayla even says herself that she's had that kind of challenge with her own master. So Ahsoka is not alone. Anakin's not alone in this struggle. And sometimes just knowing that you're not alone in a struggle can bring people um, solace and like... Mm-hmm. feel part of the group do you know what I mean yeah and I like I do like what Ayla Sakura says to her there because she does say that her master was like a father to her mm-hmm. but she learned that she had to let him go and then you know she ended that by saying don't lose a thousand lives just to save one yeah and you know that makes sense but it does hurt oh yeah because because that one life means so much. I mean, logically, we don't want to do that. But still, and this is why I would never be a good Jedi, because I would form attachments like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish that the Jedi were better at l- talking through the grieving process, which I think they do a terrible job right now, at least in the prequels. Of yeah. How do you um, grieve the loss of someone that you love? Um, because they should have done that a little bit better with Anakin. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially in counseling with uh, losing Ahsoka, like her walking away. Like, I don't, I don't think that they really followed up with that and said, are you okay with this? Have you gone to counseling? (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's just kind of weird. We are introduced to kind of a new uh, species in star Wars, I believe called the Lerman (laughs) in, I th- I think I see a lot of similarities between the Lerman and the Jedi. Like, they have the same morals or values. As a Jedi, it is your duty to do what is best for the group. I'm afraid I must do what's best for my people. Um, and they kind of want the same things, but they go about things very differently. Did mm-hmm. you notice that at all? Oh, yeah. Um, I really liked the Lerman. I... I- I liked their philosophy and I liked how, um, I don't, is it Tiwat Ka? Was he, he the head uh, yeah, one? Yeah, I, I believe so. He's the yeah. head guy and then his son the is chief. the chief. Yeah. Um, his son was the healer and, but I liked the philosophies of them and how, how it definitely kind of mirrors what the Jedis believe, but that, but he was able to, challenge them when they came and said that they were peacekeepers and he's like oh you're peacekeepers and why do you have these weapons i mean those weren't his exact words but he's just 
he's able to kind of really dialogue with them to to say that you're no peacekeeper when you're holding a weapon yourself. Yeah, like he he kind of comes strong on them a little bit. Yeah. Because violence breeds violence. Jedi are no peacekeepers. Because they are carrying lightsabers and they are they do have guns. Um and I think that it's I don't know what they're called, but do you remember the vulture wolves that kind of attack Rex and Anakin in the camp? Yes. Yeah, I don't know what they were called. They looked like bird creatures, but yes. <laughs> I think that these vulture wolves, as I called them, um, were just kind of a metaphor of the violence be- breeds violence. So, like, I, I think that the rex and anakin having the weapons would uh draw an attack by these creatures because um they see the weapons and so therefore they take a hostile stance against them and so i think that these creatures are kind of a metaphor for that whereas the lerman they don't have any um weapons in their their society in their village so they're in peace with these animals because they don't have that violent stature. Um, I may be looking way too deeply into these animals, <laughs> but um, I just thought that they might be a vet- metaphor for that principle. Am I crazy? No, no, absolutely not. And I mean, it makes it makes sense to make that conclusion because it, at another point when they bring the healer Lerman with them, and one of these vulture wolves attacks. Um, I think it was Ahsoka who who drew her lightsaber, and the healer's like, "No, don't!" And like he wants her to put it away. And then he subdues the animal in a nonviolent way by tying him up, right. um, and by having, you know, the the situation which was escalating with the lightsaber by having it controlled more and putting the weapons away he was able to subdue the animal without hurting it yeah so it it definitely makes sense you know the conclusion that you're making that you know the they're attacking because they see these hostile people with weapons and they don't attack the lerman because they don't have that violent hostility apparent to them yeah um i it's very interesting because in theory, the Jedi have lightsabers for protection, specifically protection of those who can't protect themselves. Um, like there are people that can't really deal with um, massive invasions. So if a Jedi has a lightsaber, they're able to protect them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, having that lightsaber just kind of motivates the opponents to have lightsabers or to have other weapons that can deal with lightsabers or better weapons that can defeat a Jedi with a lightsaber. Look at the uh, Mandalorians with all their trinkets that they have. Mm-hmm. Tiwatka also says, it takes two to fight. Is it worth killing for? Uh, only when you lay down your arms and pursue a course of nonviolence can you make the claim to me that je- Jedi are peacekeepers. So he's kind of saying that the Jedi can't really claim to be peacekeepers unless they actually take a no-weapon approach. Um, yeah. And that's definitely not something that they've ever done in the Star Wars trilogy or saga so far. Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge that Tiwat Ka is kind of giving them. Like, you're no peacekeepers when you're fighting too. And I, he says as well that um, it doesn't matter who initiates it and who ends it. You're, you're still fighting. And I mean, later on, you know, even the Lerman people are, are challenging their own leader, Tiwaka saying that they need to defend themselves against the attacking separatists. Um, So it's, it's a fine line, you know, um, I, I believe that the Jedi want to keep peace, but it's interesting what you say about the lightsaber as well, because I think it's an attack of the clones that 
Anakin refers to, you know, fighting with a lightsaber as aggressive negotiations. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not only just to defend peace and but you know it intimidate it requ- basically <laughs> yeah it requires skill it requires an aggressive ability to fight against a jedi so there's yes they want to keep the peace but i mean this this can go down a whole rabbit trail of how how do you keep peace can you keep peace without defending it can you um go about a total lack of arms and aggressive weapons to keep peace and wow i mean that's that's a whole other podcast right there like how do you do that and me being you know canadian i have very strong views about weapons and you know who who should have them and who should not so it you know like i said rabbit trails galore here yeah yeah it's and it's good conversation though um yeah absolutely i i think that it kind of goes back to a little bit of the principles of rogue one um do you remember the trailer for rogue one there was a speech by sagarera of what will you do when they catch you what will you do if they break you? If you continue to fight, what will you become? It's kind of like a warning to Jin that if she keeps being involved in the civil war, in the, the galactic civil war, the civil war will actually corrupt her and she will kind of lose what she was fighting for to begin with. Um, and I think that you also see that in the Yoda arc with, when Yoda faces his evil hubris that the decadence of war has corrupted him because he's gotten strength out of that. Um, and so I think that this violence breeds violence thing is is kind of a major theme in the clone wars and in star wars is just that um finding a way to bring about peace and protection like the force should be used for knowledge and defense never for attack um like it's kind of a an ongoing theme absolutely and i mean it's even interesting if you look at the last jedi and uh, when we encounter the character DJ, who's helping uh, Finn and Rose, Rose, and he he even says, you know, this this arms dealer is fighting for you know the quote unquote good guys and the bad, you know, and who's what? What does it matter what side? You know, they're going to win one day. And then profitable <laughs> exactly, and you know his perspective is. It's a war. There's two sides, but it doesn't, you know, whose side you're going to be on. It doesn't really matter. You know, he's got that perspective too of it, everybody's fighting. Yeah, like uh, it's it's very interesting. Um, with the Lerman in the final episode, his um, the healer, his son, kind of gets motivated to protect the village themselves not Mm -hmm. only um are the jedi trying to protect them but him and a few of his friends try to take a non-violent way of tripping up the battle droids with rope and then ahsoka comes in and chops off all their heads with a lightsaber that was a little violent but um we'll not talk about that part but uh just the fact that the healer um, son kind of wants to be involved in protecting the people. And then later, Tiwatka asks, Father, I was just offering the Jedi our thanks. Perhaps we do owe you thanks, but I still wonder at what cost. What will it do to the society and to the 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 village 
generations down the line. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And there's a bit of foreshadowing there as he says that because he says it as he's looking up. And I believe it's um, Star Destroyers. The the ships are coming to to get the Jedi Knights to, yeah. to basically rescue them off the planet. And it's just like at what cost as you see these ships coming to land on this planet, this peaceful planet that hasn't been touched by the war. Mm. And now they're kind of forced into it. And that's kind of, I think, the cost that he's talking about is now it's it's a part of them and what choices are they going to have to make now that they're in this. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, I'm kind of sad that we never kind of revisited this uh, Delurman in the Clone Wars um, mm-hmm. because it, it would have been interesting to see, like, what kind of ramification it had down the line. I don't yeah. know if they've been in any of the comics or anything, but um Yeah, I'm not as familiar <laughs> with them or the comics as I either, so it's but I, I mean there's so many uh species in the Star Wars universe that and I think some of the animated series and comics are able to delve deeper into that. So it's just fun to watch and and see what's what else is going on in the Star Wars universe be- besides the main ones that we are so familiar with. Yeah. How do you think this experience would have affected Ahsoka down the line? Do you think it would have changed the way that she feels about violence at all? Um, well, that's an interesting question because knowing what the path that Ahsoka chooses mm-hmm. and where she goes, I mean, she, she isn't a Jedi in Rebels, um, but she does help the rebel cause. And yeah, because there's, I think there's a line um, that she's no Jedi in Twilight of the Apprentice when she's fighting Vader, when she's confronted with her master again. But yeah, okay. I've seen that episode so many times. So I, I figured it was that one, but I, it's just, she she isn't a Jedi. She didn't. She chose not to take that path. And after seeing this episode and her really wrestling with a lot of these issues, like you know, there's even there's there's so many Force wielders that choose not to identify with the light or the dark, mm-hmm. and they they're like this balance in between. And now Ahsoka's you know as as she's grown up, she doesn't identify with the Jedi, but she's still a Force wielder, mm-hmm. and this. Maybe she just wants to get away from that violence, but she knows that the the rebels are fighting towards that and becomes the the fulcrum. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's very interesting that they chose to make Ahsoka's lightsabers and rebels white, absolutely white color. I think yeah. that that's very significant because in um, I think it's the gathering or the test of strength. They basically say that the Jedi crystals themselves are all pretty much the same color, but once they ignite it and it, it's, it gets its color from the Jedi that's using it, that creates the lightsaber. Um, so I think it's very telling that they chose to make Ahsoka's lightsabers now white, like pure innocence. The connotation that typically has is pure and innocent. Yeah, and I love that. I love that her lightsabers are white because it does say a lot about where she's chosen to go, who who how she identifies herself. And there's no Jedi that I'm aware of that has a white lightsaber. Yeah. No, me neither. Um I think yeah. that that's only Ahsoka at this time. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what color um Rey's lightsaber is if Hopefully she has a double-bladed uh, staff, <laughs> in my opinion. But um, I think that she'll probably build a new one, and I hope that it's kind of in an original design. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she's going to use the crystal left over from Luke's original lightsaber mm-hmm. um, that she still has. It's Oh, it's going to be exciting to see that in another year and a half. Yeah. Just spontaneous questions. Have you watched any of the Resistance episodes yet? I have not. I know it aired yesterday, and I was debating whether to watch it without my kids, but <laughs> I've, 
I've decided to wait and enjoy it with the kids and and I've just you know life is busy and it's hard to get one thing but the reviews that I've been seeing on Twitter so far are really encouraging and really positive so I cannot wait to start it yeah me too uh, I do not have cable so I've not been able to see it yet uh, yeah Brian Young from Full of Sith kind of tweeted this thing out this morning that Amazon was offering the full season for the price of one episode. So I kind of jumped on that. Oh, nice. Um, so like you could buy it at the time for like two ninety nine for the full season. So hopefully that's true. Otherwise I'll be very sad if they charge me $39.99. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll see how that works. But I'm hoping to watch it with uh, my daughter because she loves to watch Star Wars before she goes to bed. Yeah. Well, I even had my girls watching these two episodes of The Clone Wars with me last night. Yes. So, yeah, they're they're into it for sure. Cool. Do they have a favorite character yet? I think it, it varies. It goes back and forth. Um my middle one, she really, she really liked Ray, and so she was, she dressed up as Ray a f- couple years ago for Halloween, and then last year she was Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, they all really love Ahsoka. My youngest, who's five, told me she wanted to be Ahsoka for Halloween, and I was like, I don't know that I can make that costume. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that's really cool. And I mean, they're changing their minds here and there. And, um, you know, my oldest loves Sabine and, you know, they all obviously identify with the female characters. Um, but that's one thing I love about the Star Wars, um, the movies is, but even more so with the animated series right now is, is there's so many strong female characters for them to identify with? Not that there isn't in the movies, but mm-hmm given the age of my kids, they just, they gravitate more towards the animated series than the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love that. I love that they're seeing these great female role models for them that are, that are strong and courageous and, and that they want to emulate them by like dressing up as them and things like that. Yeah. It's totally a different, um, culture than what I grew up with. Um, oftentimes people would say when I was growing up that Star Wars was only for boys and my sisters were kind of <laughs> looked down upon for playing with my Star Wars figures or like, <laughs> play with Barbies or go watch uh, She-Ra or something. But I think that it's good that we've gotten to a, a place where there's got to be at least 50% female fandom in Star Wars now. There might be more oh. females than there are men uh, because yeah. it's just growing and growing and growing right now. Absolutely. And, I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't care if it was a, a boy thing. I was totally into it. You know, my brother was into it. I had no interest in playing with Barbies. I was into Star Wars and loved all the characters and loved all the figurines and and now, you know, my kids are getting into it, too, and they have more characters to identify with, so it's great. Do you have a favorite Star Wars movie, or do you not like to rank them at all? <laughs> I, I mean, we're always, as fans, ranking them. And, you know, as, you know, being on the Unmistakably Star Wars as well, we, we do that. And in the last episode we recorded, we actually talked about w- defending why our favorite episode um, movie is our favorite movie and mine is empire strikes back and as it is yes as it is for many fans out there it's it's very easily the top for most fans i love that movie for so many reasons you know the writing is excellent the the emotion that we feel in the movie and that is the characters go through the character development of luke skywalker in that episode is incredible. I was born in the late seventies, so I grew up in the eighties and we only had a VHS with Empire Strikes Back. I didn't have any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And so that's the one I've seen the most. Yeah. It's 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 the best, but that doesn't it's it's funny because I still love them all. I love the prequels and I, I love the original trilogy and you know, I think Return of the Jedi might be second for me. 
Yeah. I too grew up in the seventies. I was born in seventy six, so um I'm old. But um <laughs> I love them. Empire is my favorite. I think yeah. that uh The Last Jedi now is uh I like to call it one B uh in the <laughs> rankings because I love it so much, but Empire has the longevity of nostalgia that Absolutely. still keeps it slightly ahead of The Last Jedi, but I love The Last Jedi so much. It's not funny. I, oh yeah, I The Last Jedi was very well done. I loved it was a a, f- a refreshing new storyline for Star Wars. It was nice to see I I, I liked Luke's arc mm. and seeing him struggle even at the age that he's at with where to be and I I absolutely love the last Jedi. As a parent like I think that I just um, identified so much with Luke struggling, what it means to be a mentor on Octo, and mm-hmm. the burden of I'm supposed to be all these amazing things to this um, Padawan, to this next generation. What happens when I fail? What happens when I have a bad day? If if I have a moment of emotion, and in believing that Ben could destroy everything I built. How can that basically just crumble everything I've built? Like I, I just really, really identified a lot with, um, Luke in the last Jedi. And then to see my favorite character return and to give him another lesson of what it means to be a mentor and how you can do that. Well, like it just, I love the last Jedi so much. Um, it, it's amazing. Yeah. I cannot wait to see how Abrams concludes this trilogy. It's, I think it's really going to piece it all together so well. I hope so. I really, really do. I have thoughts, but I, I don't yeah. mess with you. Can I ask you a couple <laughs> questions about unmistakably Star Wars? Absolutely. What's your favorite Devin crazy game that he's done so far. Like you, I think you just finished uh, the jet airliner game. <laughs> he, he always uh, comes up with crazy games. Oh, he does. And they're a lot of fun. They really are. I, I have a harder time with the ones that catch me off guard, you know, cause, um, with the jet air, airliner, we don't know who he's going to give us that we're oh. sitting next to. No, we don't know ahead of time it's we know that we're playing the game but we don't know who he he's got in mind so sometimes i'm just like i don't know and he really caught me off guard once when we were talking about was it no actually this was uh this was eve leading the game and um she she said what's what song would you want to sing for like a star wars karaoke and i was like and she came to me first. Oh, man. So I, had, so I had no time to think about it. And I I blurted out the worst song ever that I don't even like because I was on the spot and couldn't think. And, you know, I love music and, and have, you know, so many better answers than what I gave. And now, of course, it's this running joke. And when we go to Star Wars Celebration in April we're all going to be doing a karaoke thing and they want me to sing this song I said. And I'm like, can I please, please choose a different song? What song was it? uh, I was just thinking, for some reason, I was thinking how excited I was about going and singing karaoke for Celebration that I said, I'm so excited. From the Pointer Sisters? Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why I'm bringing that back up here. (laughs) that's great oh my gosh yeah but there's been some there's been some great games that we've played on unmistakably unmistakably star wars so it's it's a lot of fun to record with the whole gang i I enjoy it and i like that you kind of make shit up on the fly (laughs) because they don't give you the uh heads up beforehand that that keeps it fresh and real Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's nice knowing ahead of time that we're gonna have a game. But yeah, the there there were a few. I'm I, I'm really trying to rack my brain because there were some games we would play that were absolutely so much fun, but I can't think of it. So I think 
Devin takes a lot of pleasure coming to you first because he knows oh, that yeah. you have to need time to think before you formulate answers. Oh, he does. And there's been a few times off the air, you know, when we're talking about a news story or something, I'll say, don't come to me first because I don't actually have anything intelligent to say about this topic. And I, I did that to him off the air once. And he came to me first and he just gives me this look because we record in the studio together and I look at him and I'm like shaking my head like and I have to say something without sounding like I'm totally caught off guard. And I'm like, well, thank you, Devin. And I did totally make shit up because <laughs> he put me on the spot. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, you know, people just yeah. need to turn the tides on him so he gets a taste of his own medicine occasionally. <laughs> Oh, and I've done that a few times with him. I've um, caught him off guard a couple times with, oh, I've got something for you just to, since you like to rub it in, you know, that I'm Canadian or something like that. Or, you know, I've I've rubbed it in with him that he likes or does not like C-3PO. And so there's been a couple of times Eve was in on one where we gave him um, a DVD of the animated droids uh, from the 80s. Yeah. And then another time I, I had found this pin that has uh, C-3PO on it that says Stay Golden from The Outsiders, you know, oh, po- yeah. Pony Boy. Um, well, he gets that said to him. Anyways, anything I can do to catch Devin off guard because I'm not quite as witty as he is. So I have to plan ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's totally fine. Do you have any good topics coming up that you know of that you can share with us at all or um i'm I'm not too sure i mean i know that we're with resistance starting you know we're we're talking about um what role that's going to play on unmistakably star wars how we're going to tackle that and um you know there's a few of us uh writing articles that you know i'm writing an article right now that i'm kind of struggling with really trying to get a good understanding of um fans out there and their perspective um it's just um i'm tackling who what audience is star wars created for um because i i put a kind not an official poll out there but i asked a question of what would people want to read an article about and it was just an interesting one that somebody commented on you know is is star wars the new star wars series the disney series being geared towards you know adolescents and kids or you know because because there's many fans out there our age who grew up with the original trilogy yeah and i guess some of them just feel like these movies aren't aren't directed towards them you know that they're they're just not um the target audience yeah they're not the target audience and they don't feel connected to the to these movies as star wars the way they did with the original trilogy which makes sense makes sense because of the amount of nostalgia that's there for us with the original trilogy so i'm really trying to tackle this hard topic and it's a a very hard article i'm writing that you know and i i could write pages and pages and nobody wants to read an article that long so (laughs) It's 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 hard to edit uh, yourself when you have so many thoughts about a uh, topic that you're very passionate about to condense exactly. it down. Um, but that is a very interesting topic. It's something that I think a lot of fans will could learn a lot from, um, mm-hmm. especially well, if especially- they look internally, because we like to be the center of attention and for the world to kind of revolve around us. <laughs> um, but when we're honest about it, most of the time... We, we realize that the world does not revolve around us and everything isn't catered to us. Um, and that's kind of okay if you're in a good place, but if you're in a place where you need that significance, then it's really a a struggle. Yeah, that, yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. So, um, cool. Well, this is very fun. Um, thank you for sharing your thoughts with me, uh, on Ahsoka's, second batch of episodes did you have anything more that you'd like to share about her um i'm just i'm looking forward to seeing more of her later on um with the way that the rebels series ended with sabine and ahsoka 
going off in search of Ezra. I don't think we're done with Ahsoka in Star Wars. And I'm just excited to see where that character is going to go. Yeah, totally. Are you familiar with Lord of the Rings? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Do you buy into Ahsoka the White and the Balrog? Ahsoka the White and the Balrog. So, Um, So, like, basically, Ahsoka and Vader in Twilight of the Apprentice is Gandalf in Moria against the Balrog, where... Gandalf says, you shall not pass to protect the other people. Yeah, I, I love that scene in The Fellowship of the Rings and right. in, the, in the book. It's really good, but I didn't know the comparison. Well, like, Gandalf comes back, Gandalf was Gandalf the Grey, and he comes back Gandalf the White, uh, mm-hmm. a higher level of um, wizard. And I see Ahsoka's fight with Vader when she basically ventured down into the depths of the Sith Temple. She was learning a broader spectrum of the Force and learning different things about the Force. Mm -hmm. And I think that that expanded her knowledge of the Force, and that's why I think that she's basically Ahsoka the White now. That's why she had the gray cloak, but the white um, costume underneath. Mm-hmm. And I think that she's kind of reached a higher level of force user, at least that's my hope for her in the future. Yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting insight. I I hadn't thought of it that way. You know, I loved the way that Rebels ended where we see why Ahsoka escapes mm-hmm. Vader in Twilight of the Apprentice because of, I believe it's the Worlds Apart episode when Ezra pulls Ahsoka out of that situation. And then, but then she goes back and that's at the end of Twilight of the Apprentice, we see her going down into the temple, as you said. And I don't know that we really see her again until the very end of Rebels in that white cloak. Yeah. And yeah, she's, she's going to have, something you know like you said becoming a greater wizard or for her just a more powerful force wielder yeah that's kind of what i was hoping for in that time we were like ahsoka lives or ahsoka lives um i i just think that dave filoni was teasing a lot that she had a lot of comparisons to gandalf in that time Oh, yeah, I remember Dave Filoni posting a tweet about, you know, uh, a scene that he'd taken out between Ahsoka and the Bendu, and where he kind of teases that, you know, does she die? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he likes to do that. Gandalf <laughs> died in that fight. Like, the, it was, yeah. um, it was, it took so much energy that he actually died, and that's kind of also why I think it was interesting that Filoni was questioning whether or not she lived because she may have lived, but she died before she lived. I don't know. He was also just reading a lot of Lord of the Rings at the time. So (laughs) I think that he was merging the two. And I think the Bendu is a combination of Tom Bombadil and Treebeard, basically. So... Yeah, see, I, these are insights that I never even thought about. You know, I, yeah, and I love Lord of the Rings, so. Yeah. yeah. Me too. It, it, <laughs> it's probably my second favorite um, saga. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking time to talk with me. Where can people find you online? Um, they can find me on Twitter at, at Burlton B, B-U-R-L-E-T-O-N-B as well as at Unmistakably Star Wars. And yeah, tune into our podcast. You can uh, find us on the web, uh, com. It's a really great podcast. I love the chemistry you have with Devin and Eve um, and the other members. I, I think yeah. it's really fun and kind of light, but at the same time, you have some great conversations about serious topics when you, especially when you talked about uh, representation and diversity. I thought that that was 
very interesting and authentic and it was great uh and i really enjoyed that yeah yeah devin did a great job with that episode that wasn't an episode i was on but i definitely listened to it and i love the content that um we're able to come up with and our whole crew is amazing to work with and we just have a lot of fun with it so yeah yeah i look forward to the next game that devin springs on you guys (laughs) yeah let's wait and see what that one is i'm sure he's going to catch me off guard again cool yeah well, now it's time to hear from you, the audience. Uh, you can email us your thoughts on Ahsoka's journey in these episodes at moonjockeyspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast at moonjockeyspod. You can always follow me at Balls in Play. Thank you for listening, and until next time, may the Force be with you. Always. Stop button, Chewie.